Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rao. Andy, I almost stumbled over the intro, and it's been like a hundred episodes, I think, since I've you know, <laughs> not done it clean in one take. So that's, that's sort of where my head's at right now. You know, it's been a while since we have opened the show by rolling dice, and I yeah. feel like that was always good a good comedic intro, because you were always fumbling your dice, and then, yes. uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to that soon. Yeah, we have we yeah we still need to sit down and talk about our 2024 plans, but we have have some ideas percolating there, so I think that that should be good. Um, I wanted to in this this episode talk a little bit about a recent gaming experience that both you and I had. So this oh. is a, a rare event. Um, you and me got together with some other friends for a a weekend of gaming. So well, yeah, an overnight of gaming. So we we played. A game on Friday night, which we'll talk about, and then we played sort of all day Saturday as well, um, and it was really delightful. Um, yeah, our, yeah. Our GM for that was uh, Tim Saucer and a couple other friends got together, and so we started on Friday night by playing Dialect. Um, so, Andy, had you heard of this game before? I had heard of it. Okay. Um, and I, yeah, I think it was Kickstartered, right? Uh, mm, I it's, so, yeah. it's the sort of game that, like, absolutely uh, is fascinating to me mm-hmm. and that like probably when i looked at the kickstarter page i did i had one of those hard honest moments of like when are you going to play this Andy? <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> so. yeah yeah i think like the the high level pitch i think for dialect and what i've been i've been trying to so like anyone who will listen to me for like the past week or two um, since we played that game, I'm just like, if they mention gaming at all, I'm like, oh, by the way, dialect is amazing. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think the high level like pitch for that is that you are playing a like uh, a community, and you are you're trying to like come up with new language that the community is going to use. So you pick you pick a couple things that like come up in every conversation, right? So it's like these are things that are so important to the community that like every time you're talking, it comes up. So a really good example of that might be in the past couple of years, like COVID, right? Would be, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. be one of those things. Yeah, COVID or like the pandemic, right? Like staying home. So like that's going to come up in every conversation and naturally sort of play into uh, yeah. new words and new phrases that sort of like that, that come out of that. Yeah, COVID well. and then like the release of Diablo 4. Yes, yeah, and the release then, of Diablo yeah. 4, which came up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Avatar 2 came out. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, some banner moments <laughs> the past few years. But yeah, so we, uh, yes, yeah, so you start there and then you you make some characters and you flip over these cards and these cards ask you to describe like what word this community would use. Um, so uh, like, I mean, one of them was happiness. Another one was death. Uh, one One of them was like create a proverb using some of the other words that you've created like that. Um, it ended up being this very like, I don't know, like unique experience unique experience and like just really delightful to go through and it just made me think about language it made me think about language in a really like new way yeah is it fair would it be fair to summarize it that you you collaboratively as a group create a vocabulary for this imaginary community centered around these concepts that are important to the community and that in a sequence of turns you go around the table playing cards that evolve that vocabulary in different ways and that and that evolve the kind of story of the community uh, uh, alongside um the way that its language evolves yes yeah, yeah that's a it's a much <laughs> much better way to put it yeah it's uh yeah i think like it, it it shares to me a lot of the emotional sort of beats of of games like um quiet year 
Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's yeah. Yep. Like, great game. The ground itself. These sort of like these very narrative focus games that I think like quickly become the sort of things where you start thinking about like the emotions of like what it is to be human and like all those connections that you have having yeah. communities as well. So it was I don't like I won't speak for you. I'll let you kind of give your your um yeah, your analysis of it after after this. But like I loved it. And it, it sort of like as a as a sort of a way to set up a story or like the genesis of a story for playing game like playing a game after that, I think it worked amazingly well. Amazingly well for that. Um like so if you're interested in kind of doing a like narrative collaborative world building experience, like I, I would highly recommend playing it. Yeah. yeah, I was talking to a friend who owns Dialect, and I had mentioned I'd be playing it. And I said, yeah, I'll report back to you how it actually plays, because he hasn't had a chance to play yeah. it yet. And yeah, when I was, um, I agree with you, it feels, you know, sort of in the same niche that The Ground Itself and Quiet Your Fill, although they're those are three very different games. But yes. um, yeah. it is interesting to me that my takeaway from playing all three of those games has always been that was great. I can't wait to explore this in an RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I, you know, I don't think they're designed to do that. They're no. designed to be start to finish. You spend an evening, uh, you tell the story of this community, and then it's done like mm-hmm. that. That and it's just I don't know if it's just because I'm an RPG nerd that <laughs> my brain is always doing that. But um, and I don't want to sound like I'm critiquing these games. But having created something special collaboratively, it feels like a shame to like shelve it to mm-hmm. me. Um, yeah. So in our case for this gaming weekend, we did in fact then having made that kind of told the story of this community and its vocabulary and dialect, we then spent the next day role playing out um, in using a you know a traditional role playing system, mm-hmm. a, a, an extended scenario that kind of. Uh, built on some of the hooks that we had um yeah added into the setting right yeah so i don't know what do you think about that do you do you think that uh dialect would be more fun or less fun like just playing it purely for the game of dialect and then when you're done that evening you put it back in the box mm. Yeah, I think I even remarked about this when we were sort of talking talking um the the weekend about like yeah how it was like it is I think it, knowing that we were going to use it for like a, a game after the fact definitely influenced sort of how I approach answering some of the prompts mm, in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I, I've noticed that too with, with like the quiet year as well, when there is like a little bit of that freedom of like, Oh, we're just going to do this and then, and then shelve it. I think you think about things or you answer questions in a different way where you're not, you're not trying to give yourself hooks necessarily for like, what can I do with this later or or even just like, you know, like, how do I make sure that this doesn't just end with like, well, the community vanishes and then there's nothing to really like show for it <laughs> yeah. necessarily that you can, you can yeah grab onto later. So I think like, yeah, and that is definitely a GM brain sort of thing. Like you are, you know, you're thinking about that all the time. So I think like whenever you're building a, like, yeah, if you're, if you're a role-playing game nerd, right. Like you're thinking about how do I make this a compelling thing that I can, you know, go revisit. And listeners, it prob- if this is hard to if this is hard to kind of follow or understand yeah. what we're talking about, it's because dialect is a difficult game to yes. describe. Mm-hmm. Like you, it is a game you really just need to play it to see to see how it works. So <laughs> yeah. I do apologize, but like if you're listening and this sounds interesting, 
you should you should go google it and and check it out mm-hmm. or watch it i'm sure there's some actual plays on youtube yeah. or something like that because it will click when you see people going through a round of this game i i wanted to say chris i, I would like to hear your reaction mm-hmm. i had so i found dialect thoroughly enjoyable to play but there was a part of it i really struggled with mm-hmm. and i spent a lot of time after the game like reflecting on it um in fact the first time the first time this part of the game i struggled with was invoked i i like i was frozen i i felt like a deer in the headlights like my brain was struggling to handle it and that is that having played a card and evolving the story of the community a little bit and evolving their the vocabulary of the community accordingly you are generally asked to like role play a little vignette mm-hmm. that somehow like illustrates or reflects um, on whatever that changes. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you play a card that, and you've added a new piece of vocabulary into the game, like if you've created a new uh, greeting of that people use in this setting, mm-hmm. that's tied to one of these communal concepts, you know, you might be called to role play a little vignette in which, you and another person at the table use that greeting or illustrate how that greeting came out in some way. I had a really hard time with those. And yeah. I won't lie, like as the game went on, I had that like uh I that feeling like I didn't do my homework teacher, so don't call on me feeling as we were going around. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you you choose like the players that you do the that do the vignettes. And I just yeah. I was thinking like pick Chris, pick Chris, but you know, pick <laughs> pick somebody that's not me. Like uh yeah. so um what do you how I don't know why those were tough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is something about like role playing that isn't built around like solving a problem in the game that that's like role playing that's purely like um, purely for like um, cr- adding ambiance or just Mm -hmm. adding a little shedding a little bit of illumination on the setting i found Mm -hmm. that surprisingly tough and i'd like to hear if you experienced that at all or or not at all yeah it's i I do sort of wonder if um (laughs) just it's a side thought i would love to see this game played by a bunch of theater nerds oh yes oh my goodness i think right because like i think the the vignettes that we were doing and, and i don't know how much of this was just the group we were playing with versus like what, what was written in the rules. Um, but we, we were definitely doing this, right? So you'd, you'd come up with a new word and then, you know, like sort of act out what what happened there. Um, it, it is sort of like, yeah, doing a scene in a play, yes. right? Like, it, yeah, you're not doing, there's no like mechanics involved. There's no rolling of dice, anything like that. It's just like, hey, Andy, there's this new greeting that we've just come up with. Like, I don't know what you, you put your hand to your head and you bow down right like you know like why, why did that come about right like so do a little scene that sort of describes that yeah um it is it is very against i think what a lot of role-playing games are right like which is you know, like even social like social encounters that we talk about when we play like tabletop games those are usually there's some sort of action or some sort of thing that you want to get out of it mm-hmm. as a player from those the social encounters versus this which is just sort of like describing like an everyday occurrence right like you know in yeah but using this new word and i think that's that definitely stretches like a different part of your brain like it has me thinking like playing dialect had me thinking a lot about like then the game that we were playing after after that about like 
what are we missing by not doing those little like vignettes? Like, yep. right. you like, what, like, yeah. Or even when one of us would sort of look down and be like, Oh, like let's try to use one of those words that we came up with in this scene. It was like, you, we could, I could see the tension at the table of like, Oh, that's really cool. But we're not trained to do this necessarily at the same yeah. time. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about like what we talked about in our last episode, we sort of right at the end mentioned just this concept of like playing games that are challenging or like yeah. reading media that's challenging in certain ways. And dialect for sure, for me, falls in, in that category of like, this is a game that is, it's challenging to play because it asks you to sort of do, do role playing in a different way. Um, like, yeah. And to think about, think about telling a story in a different way. Um, and like, I think it, it adds a lot to at least like my understanding of how, how to do, do both of those things. Yeah. I think those are some great, I think it's a great way to think about it. I noticed that, Almost everybody except the GM, Tim, who I think had the best understanding of the role that these role-playing vignettes were supposed to serve in the game. I, most of the rest of us, when we would do our scene, you could see us shaping the scene towards some sort of like traditional RPG, <laughs> yes. like encounter almost. Yeah. Uh, whereas like, I think the GM, and when it was his turn to do these vignettes, I, I thought he did a, a better job, certainly, than I did. He understood it was more just like, uh, show us just show us a quick little snapshot um, mm -hmm. of life like with this. Um, it, it made me think, you know, Chris and I, you and I have talked many times in episodes past about the function, like particularly during like travel scenes and other, some scenes in RPGs, like the function of um, of carving out little spaces to have everyday interactions or mm -hmm. just to pause for a moment and ask the players in, in, you know, a few hours into your journey, you come across, you see a mountain in the distance. Tell me what your character thinks of that. You know, we, mm -hmm. we've talked about these as ways to sort of uh, inject, uh, inject some, a little bit of extra depth into otherwise, kind of unremarkable parts of the mm -hmm. RPG gaming experience. And so I don't know. I don't have a point with that. It's just, but it's had my mind spinning. Mm -hmm. I wanted to react though to your description of dialect as a challenging game. And mm -hmm. it, it definitely is. And I will say I was kind of exhausted by the end of it. Yes. Um, by the final round, I, I felt like my brain was just tired and partly because yeah. it was late at night, but yeah. it, it felt like the times when I've run games like Band of Blades or Blades in the Dark, it it asks you to do a lot of creativity on the spot. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 is a hard a harder thing to ask for than I sometimes think a lot of these games realize. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a game like Blades in the Dark is it's like mechanically geared so that more often than not, when you're rolling the dice, you have to create like a complication. Uh, you have to come up with a complication on the fly. Um, do you know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And uh, the Blades type games are not the only ones that do this. Like the Genesis system that powers like the Star Wars RPG does this. There are these systems that have injected a lot of places in them for you to come up with extra stuff. And I think they're, I think everybody, I'm going to make a generalization here. I think everybody has like a limit of how much creativity 
they can produce like on demand <laughs> before <laughs> yes. it becomes exhausting. Yeah. It becomes exhausting or you've otherwise like come up with all the ideas. You <laughs> right. And There's not a, a bad, not a bad exhausting. Yeah. That's not a criticism of the game. It's just no. to reinforce that for me, the challenge of dialect was you've got to be creative for three hours. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And I definitely, I noticed that as we were playing it too, that like, I think there was some beginning enthusiasm, but even then it was like, you know, it, it just, it, the game asks you to think in such like a, such a different way. And like, again, like going back to the quiet year, which I think more people have probably played at this point, like it's the same sort of thing. Like you're being asked these questions that are just like, if you're going to answer them in a way that is interesting to yourself. And I think like, yeah, drives the story forward. It's going to take different muscles than you're used to using, especially if you do something like, I don't know, like I'm a programmer, right? Like I, <laughs> you know, like it's, it is like, there's creativity there, but it's not like the sort of creativity where you're like, yeah, you're trying to come up with like these, I don't know, like these hard sort of concepts to describe like friendship or something like that within a community that you've just invented an hour ago. Yeah. You know, it's just like, that is, it's a difficult thing to do. And like, I, but there's also a lot of satisfaction for me, at least um, in, in when one of those things like worked well, right? Like, I think, yeah, there was, you know, there's like a, a couple moments in there. Um, you know, I think like you had some, like we all had sort of had those moments, I think within the story that we we're telling was like, wow, like that was a really cool thing. <laughs> you know, like, just like a really, a really cool moment that like would not have come up in D and D, right? Like it yeah. just flat out would not have, have, have come up ever. Like it just wouldn't even have like crossed our minds to explore that part of it. Yeah. And like going back to what you were saying about like, you know, overland travel, like, you know, how do you make that interesting? How do you inject, inject those things? I mean, I think you could, you could probably use dialect as a way to, to do some of that stuff. Oh yeah. Like, just totally. kind of flip over some of those cards and have, have your players, um, react to react to them like maybe not necessarily inventing language but maybe having conversations about about like yeah what is happiness right yeah for for your players um it, it it's interesting like i so i'm rereading lord of the rings so i'm in the two towers right now and um i just got to the part where um frodo and sam and Gollum have just like they've camped out and sam has decided to make make a meal for the first time, he's going to like light a fire and stuff. Like this is like right, right after they meet up with Faramir and like yeah. other rangers and stuff like that. And it's just this, like, it's this moment that gives you so much, I don't know, insight into who Sam is hmm. that he like wants to make this meal. Like it's important to him in, in this arduous journey to expend like valuable energy yeah. to like make a meal, you know, ask Gollum, kind of convince Gollum to go find some, you know, find some rabbits that he can use you know, to make this, like this stew and stuff. And like, he really wants to make it for, you know, Frodo, right? Like, and it's yeah. just like this very like loving, loving moment. And it's, that's, you would never role play that. Like, you just like, you just wouldn't yeah. <laughs> in D and D, but it's also like that to me is like the true highlight of their journey. Yeah. Uh, their, their journey in two towers. Right. Like, and you know, so it's in some ways, I mean, this is maybe overselling dialect a little bit, but I feel like dialect is a game about those moments in a way like and and trying to make you think about them yeah and, like force force a bunch of like yeah like you know gamers who are thinking all about like you know dice probability to like stop for a second and, yeah. you know and tell tell a story that way yeah i have a quick reaction to that like it it this is not a uh this is not a new observation or unique to me or anything but it is so funny to me that role-playing that your typical role-playing experience spend so much time on the parts of like of the fantasy journey that 
don't have emotional impact. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, like when you say, what are the parts of Lord of the Rings that, you know, touched you or whatever, you know, yeah. The, with Sam, Sam talking about uh, garden gardening back home or making mm-hmm. a meal or, uh, you know, you know, I tear up every time in the movies, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Gandalf and Pippin have that like conversation about death right before yeah. uh, the battle of Minas Tirith. I, yeah. I I sob like a child every time I watch that scene. Yeah, like that. I, you know, how often do you have that experience in a role playing game? Mm-hmm. But like every role playing game, <laughs> it, you play out the battle that follows, which is much less emotionally impactful <laughs> than that yeah. like short conversation between Gandalf and Pippin, right? Or yeah, it's Pip. Is it Pippin or Mary? Anyway, one of those. Well, let's let's be honest. They're a little bit interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of like you know. Yeah. Anyway, but I will not go on my rant about the like the, the <laughs> hobbits used as like plot points versus characters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for um, sure. I yeah. wanted to. I, I have one final thought about dialect. Something that I took away from it, and that is that it is so valuable to me when trying to create something from scratch that you have uh, that you have a system that imposes on you some randomness and uh weirdness that you mm-hmm. have to resolve it's like if you were like andy sit down and make me uh a fantasy the history of a fantasy world i i feel like when we sit down to do creative stuff you know I, our instinct is to create things that make sense right yes. that yeah. uh, that uh, that don't have rough edges but when you have a, a system like dialect or some any another system throwing you prompts that that cause friction like that's mm-hmm. where the really cool parts of creating like a setting or a scenario come from it's like well mm-hmm. how can this community both um you know not have any agriculture you know farmable land and have you know and yet they have settled here for decades that makes you yes. think right you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't come up with that on your own because it doesn't make sense but you do find your way to an explanation and it's more interesting because you had to, you had to fight for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's a really good game. I think uh, the thing that I would like to sort of leave it with is like, I think if you play role-playing games, I think this is the style of game. This is the sort of game that you should try once. Right. Like, yeah, one of these world building games, you'll kind of take your pick. Right. I think, like you mentioned, like dialect and um, ground itself and the quiet era, they, they all have different nuances and stuff to them. But I think they all sort of, for me, scratch the same sort of like creative friction itch of like, there's no, there's not really dice here. <laughs> you have to sort of come up with it in your brain. I think it's worth playing one of them and try to find a group that, um, that you trust really well. Cause I think like if you, I would not want to play one of these games with strangers. Like I, I have played the quiet year with strangers and that was, that was a little rough. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rough totally. for me. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, it's a sort of like, if you can play it with some friends where there is some trust there, because like, there's going to be moments where you're just like, I don't know what to say here. Like I, I sort of need a minute to think through or like, yep. can someone totally. give me a nudge, you know, a nudge or like some sort of flavor flavor to add to this, you know, and none of that's in the, the rules, right? Like, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think the rules would, you know, stay up front. Like, you know, play with only your good friends who know, yeah. how, you know, know you. but it's like, 
yeah, I think it's it's pretty important to play those because I think like it does stretch your brain, um, your brain in a different way. Like, yeah, for me, yeah, just like, to restate it, like this does fall in the camp of like challenging game that is like worthwhile. Yeah, it's going to make you think about the hobby in a different way. Yeah, totally agreed. Yeah, if if it sounds interesting to you, I I don't think you will regret checking it out, dear listeners. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Um, yeah. So, uh, so as we've alluded to, right. So we kind of took this set in and then from there we ended up, um, playing, playing like sort of a mini campaign over the course of a day that, so like props to Tim, um, to, for running a, like mostly improv, yes, <laughs> improv my campaign, goodness. Yeah. yeah, sort of out of, out of nowhere based mostly just on a game of dialect that we'd played before. He came up with like a really just like super fun, like adventure there was a couple of locations uh we had like all sorts of stuff to bounce bounce off of yeah so we played that in savage worlds um which was the first time that i'd played savage worlds and i think like you've you've had quite a bit of experience with that yeah i've played it a fair amount yep yeah have you run it before i have yes okay yeah it was it was really good um like so we all we all created characters like we you know pulled up they have like a character generator went through and, and yeah, made characters and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I think most of us ended up copying them on sheets of paper, which was fun. It felt very like low, low tech. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we just sort of, we sat around on couches and played, yeah. Played a game for like the rest of the day. Uh, but yeah, that was, it was really cool. I, I like that system a lot. I think like my, my sort of like high level pitch for it is like, if you want to play something that is like, has some fast action, but still like a little bit of crunch, yeah. to it i i recommend savage worlds it was yeah a, a good time i don't know if i'd want to play more than like a one or you know two session shot with any character that I created in it but it was yeah super fun for that yeah i think i think savage worlds has like a well-deserved like type of game that it covers really well mm-hmm. um and i think is what you describe it's something that yeah needs to be pretty fast doesn't doesn't stress too much about details of do you have a plus three or a, to this role that sort of thing so i you know i think yeah it's a it's a personal preference thing for me like i need a little more granularity i think than mm-hmm. savage worlds provides but i think it you know savage worlds is something you can it's pretty easy to just run almost anything in it i think and mm-hmm. to to like have it be perfectly enjoyable yeah yeah um, somehow I managed to make a character in it that used, um, I think like all the dice that you possibly can use <laughs> in there. Most people were just, it seemed like most people were rolling, you know, 2d6 on yes. most of their rolls and I was, yeah, yes. a, a massive dice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's, yeah, a really good system, like pretty quick and like, yeah, again, like, you know, Tim did a great job sort of with it. Um, it, it did like, it does sort of make me think about like, we can say more about Savage Worlds if you have more to say about it. No, nope, like, no, nope. I think this, it's a pretty known quantity. Okay. Yeah, this this sort of structure for like a good time with your friends, right? Like whether there's over a weekend or like, you know, a handful of evenings or something like that. I, I sort of wanted to talk about this middle ground between like a, a one shot and a full campaign. Hmm. Right? Like, And I wouldn't even call this necessarily like a mini campaign, although it's sort of ended up, right. Like we played two or three sessions. Yeah. Like this, like, I think this might be my ideal form of gaming when it oh, comes down to it. Is like, yeah, you have three to four sessions of something. Like you're sort of in in enough to learn it, enough to sort of play it, like get into it, and then then you're done. <laughs> yeah. You're done with it. So like I'm just curious, have you like aside from this this past weekend, like have you played games along those lines? Like I know I, I played in an aliens game with you that was ended up being three sessions. I don't know if you started off with yeah. with it like 
targeting that. I have so I have played in the last couple of years. I've run quite a few games that I I aimed them at about three sessions. Mm-hmm. So I've done a couple of Star Trek games, some Alien games, um, and some D and D and other stuff on the side. And I'm interested. I want to hear a little bit more from you because here's what I'll say about that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works great as a way to like see, try a system out and see what makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. The part, the thing you don't get is seeing how is seeing like both character and like mechanical growth or evolution over time. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so in some games like alien, you know, it doesn't your mechanical uh, interaction with the game is not going to be very different 20 sessions in compared to where you were on session number three. Mm-hmm. But like, think about D and D the way you're interacting with the game and the mechanics is going to be a lot different at level 15 than it is at level three. Right. Yes. So I think, I think that for me, and I'd like to hear your reaction, that sort of limited thing is great for these systems that like aren't really designed to have your character, like kind of growing and expanding in mechanical ability Mm-hmm. over time very much um these more like cinematic experiences um but i i think you miss something out if you play like playing a game like D and you never play long enough that you are growing with the system does that make sense and how yeah. do you what do you think about that yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah i think i think for yeah i think you're right on um with yeah like being able to see that mechanical the complexity of a system over time like for me and maybe i'm just really fickle like i am almost less interested in seeing seeing a character go from like zero to hero it, like like in that progression um versus like i would sort of just rather be like oh we played like this short campaign with our level three characters let's roll some new ones at level 10 <laughs> yeah right mm-hmm. like like that that to me is almost more interesting but like yeah but for sure like to your point about like something like savage worlds which like this is discounting Savage Worlds entirely. Like, like, you know, like I think there is mechanical complexity there. Like, I don't really know what the character progression would be in that game, other than I guess you get like, you know, your dice sort of change a little bit. Or I think more mostly better. your numbers go up. You yeah. know, um, yeah, and you might up, get yeah. some, you know, get some extra spells or abilities. But yeah, like it's it's just really not built for like I don't know. At least I didn't see there wasn't like a book of spells where it was like you know fifty pages of like different no, level one no. spells you can choose. You know, um, yeah, it, like that for me, like th- like this is sort of perfect, right? Because I think there's there's something with a one shot where it's like you are sort of just getting to know the system well enough to sort of play it efficiently, like play it without having to look at the rules every time. And like, that's, that's fine. I think that's, that's really fun. But like, then there's something about that, like that second or third session where like you, you sort of know what's going on. It's less like fumbling with the rules every time. And it's more, more like, you know, your character a little bit, like you sort of, you know what they can do and you can just kind of, you can go with it. Like that is like, that to me is like the sweet spot. And then once you, once you sort of know all that stuff, like for me, the interest drops off pretty rapidly with like, okay, now we're just going to do that again and again. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, at that point, like that's, that's the point at which like I sort of want more. And for me, it's like, yeah, like that's the perfect moment to like end the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
And we should wrap up here in a second, oh, yes. but I, I wanted to say that, yeah, there's one of the interesting things about Dungeons and Dragons that I don't see talked about a lot is that as you level, like the way that as you, as your character gains experience and becomes more powerful and more versatile, it doesn't just, yes, your numbers go up, but your, your toolkit of solutions to problems like is increases dramatically right Mm -hmm. and the the way you relate to the world you're playing in is it changes dramatically over time so like a level fit a party of level 15 characters relates to the world they're in way differently than like a party of level one characters Mm -hmm. and like you know if you're playing star trek you might play star trek for two straight years the end of that you know your characters will be maybe a little bit better like at what they do but but your but their fundamental like the sorts of things they're doing the problems they're solving are not going to be um dramatically different after a couple of years than they are in year one right or if you look Mm -hmm. at what you know a show like next generation the characters are have evolved over the course of that show but the, the the basic dynamic they have with the setting they're in is the same in the final season as it is in the first, right? <laughs> yeah. it, it's different in something like D and D, where, um, which I don't, I just I just find it interesting. Um, I, yeah. I was yeah. I was mentioned I was chatting on the Discord. I mentioned I, one of the games I've been reading through this year and kind of my quest this year to just engage to read some difficult or complicated games is Torchbearer Second Edition, and mm-hmm. that game has a straight up little like note at the beginning of that. It's like, look, you can use this to do one shots. You can use this to do long campaigns, but, but really this game is built to be experienced over about a dozen sessions because that's like, that's, that's the amount of time it takes to see how your choices, mechanical choices and decisions play out over time. And beyond that, there's not really anything new. So, its sweet spot is like a dozen sessions and that that was an interesting thing to me and i would be i would love to see that sort of little note in more games like tell me what's the like <laughs> is this a great game for one shots or for the mini campaigns like you've just described mm-hmm. do i is this game to really see what this game has to offer do i need to play it for a year you know i i would be interested to hear game designers talk to me directly about in their books about like, <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what is the best, like what's the best way to experience this? Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of games will have, um, they'll have like a page or two devoted to like almost like a, a dialogue about like, or yeah, just like a, a story of like, here's how to play through, I don't know, a round of combat or something. So it'll be like, and the GM says, right. Like, you know, Hey Sally, go roll a you know, D20. Right. Like, yeah. you know, I kind of described it like that, but yeah, that, that's sort of like, I would love a paragraph or a page in every book that's just like, here's the platonic ideal of like what I, what I'm thinking this should look like for you Yeah. of, yeah, you, you get together, you play for what, two hours, four hours, you know, like on a Friday night, every Friday night for two months, or is it like, you know, every other month, like, right. Like just sort of like describe like what you think it's going to be. It's almost like the, uh, like on board games, right. They have the, like, you know, takes 45 to 90 minutes. Yes. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Something like that. You know, it's like, you you want that. Although the board game ones are always like comically wrong. Yeah. At least in my experience, it's like, Oh no, that, that was just to get set up. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I think I think you're onto something there. Yeah, that that sort of mentality of like, yes, like this is this is how the game should be played, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the conclusion for that being like, really, you should only play this for three sessions and then, <laughs> then yeah. move on to the next game. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's that's not going to stop anybody from kickstarting anything. <laughs> I have a lot of uh, games in my game library where the it's like uh, playtime, like one hour, like sixty to. 6,000 minutes, yes. you know, like, yeah. it's like yeah. okay, well, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we should wrap up, Chris. I yeah. know, uh, you have a, uh, yeah, well, we both have some family. Yes. Yeah. Stuff. I've got a, I've got a, a, a small sick child at home. Um, he's doing okay, but Aww. yeah, it's very pitiful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, yeah, it's always a delight to be here. And as we alluded to at the beginning of the episode, we will, um, have some firmer plans for 2024 coming up. Um, I think we got a couple of guests that we're, we're planning on hoping to get on pretty soon um, yes. as well. Yeah. But I think the ad, so that does it for us. Yeah. You can go listen to our sister show, the splat book uh, with John Corey and Kyle Latino. Um, they are back to their normally scheduled episodes. Kyle is back, um, back at the, uh, at the helm. Uh, he's kicked Andy and Matt off of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, they are, let's see. So I've not listened to this yet. Yeah, so they're talking about a module that I've not read. I, it's something that I do want to read, I think, before listening to that episode. Although I fear that if I keep waiting, <laughs> that I might never get to it. Yes. But yeah, uh, go listen to it. Uh, I know they're they're both really enthusiastic right now about some like OSR stuff. Um, and it's, you know, out of all the people in the world that I've met, like hearing those two get going on a tear about like what they're excited about is just like the, the most yes. delightful thing. So yeah, go listen to this platform. It's fantastic. You can find it at thesplatbook.com. Um, yeah, and I think that is about it for us. You got anything else, Andy? Nope. Okay, cool. Well, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM.